You do not want to fight me! Bienvenidos, listeners, and welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. That's John. And he's Henry. And that's a really good impression of me, Henry. You're welcome. I, I like that even though you said it in a language that you usually say it in, you uh, you did it in my voice. Yeah, yeah. I get meta with it. Together we're Henry and John. Together we're Henry and John. Yep. That's a good Henry impression, John. It's I, I worked on it for years. Guys, welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome. We've got a whole mess of things to talk about. Have we ever welcomed people to the show before? No, but I, I was listening to other podcasts. I'm not going to name drop them, but I noticed that they welcomed their listeners to the show. Oh, to make them feel welcome, I'm going to assume. Yeah, so... You know what else other podcasts do? Have actual content. So what they do is they lay out the content kind of at the start. Oh, so you want to do like a table of contents? So what we're going to talk about in this episode is... Uh, Henry brings us a little blast from the past. I talk to you about some common trends, and there's a little secret in there somewhere. And also whatever else we will do to fill the time. We just have to do those three things at least. So wait, blast from the past. Blast from the past. What, what was this? I'm talking about a disturbing, common, modern trend. Alright. And then a special twist. Alright, those three things and whatever else. But I say let's let's kick off this whole episode with... A good old-fashioned, hey, John, what are we doing? What are we doing? And I've got the answer this week. Oh. We just need to have a little brief post-mortem for the 2016 election. All right. And that one thing has become astoundingly clear to me. What is that? That the average person cannot see what the world is like i mean i guess by definition the average person has an inability to have maybe a maybe a a broad viewpoint on things i've been thinking about this a lot because a lot of articles are coming out about like oh no like the precious little liberals their worldview didn't match up with reality and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i I got to thinking about, like, human nature. Let's be clear. When I said, "Mm mm-hmm, I don't necessarily agree. Well, no, you agree that the articles exist. Yes. Yeah, I'm not not with the sentiment, but Mm. just, like, these articles were coming out. Yes. And uh, I started to think about human nature and the ability that humans have, the innate ability of seeing what they want to see. Mm. Like, so you see the constellations is a classic example. Uh, People saw dots in the sky, they connected them in a pattern, suddenly you got a hunter, you got a lion, you got oxes. People are seeing patterns where there might not be patterns. Yeah. I think the same thing kind of might have happened with both sides of this election. All right. And it just happened that one side, of course, were the victor in quotes, Mm -hmm. which I have a problem with people winning elections, especially by close of, uh, as close of a margin as like, we're talking like one single digit percentages. And I mean like losing the popular vote, but still winning, Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So it's just like both sides were seeing patterns that were like making it seem like we've got it. 
we've got victory. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to win. And one side happens to lose, and suddenly the other side gets to call them out, like, because of boasting or whatever. Mm. Just stop. Yeah. Just, we need the ability to zoom out again, you know? There are echo chambers. There are bubbles. People do surround themselves with things that support their ideals and the things that they want to see in the world. We need to drop all that shit, both sides, and just, like, we need a newspaper or a, or a channel that says we don't care about who wins. We just want to report what's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, being biased is, a, is an issue in any media that covers things of policy. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm a young dude, but I can't remember a post-election cycle... Much of this, eat it, person who voted for the person who didn't win. Look at your dumb philosophy. We kind of just accept it. Yeah. I mean, when when Obama won, no one went, fuck you, McCain lovers. There was the South Park episode that came out the night after the election um, that showed Randy... Like, going crazy because Obama had won. Mm. So it was like, everything's going to change instantly. And then, of course, the realization that, well, no, you know, things are very much pretty much the same for now. Because mm-hmm. we've got four months until people are sworn into offices and stuff like that. Yeah. And then five months until any real change can happen. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's, it's yes, there, there does seem to be a lot of gloating. And I think it's because this particular election cycle was so pregnant with, like, personality and kind of not even political but personal ideology that people imbued these candidates with. So these candidates stand for a lot more than maybe they actually do. And for some reason, largely due to the fact, I believe, that this presidential election cycle was bereft of decency, people are carrying that lack of decency to the post-election cycle world and continuing to be, like, torch-carrying shitbabies or extremely indignant shitbabies, depending on what side that they're on. Yeah, because it is both sides that are coming out of the woodwork. There are shitbabies on each side of the aisle. Yeah. Because there are there are people saying, oh, your worldview's dumb. How could you believe that this was going to happen? But then there's, let's overthrow, let's overthrow rule of law. Yeah. There's people being equally ridiculous on both sides. I, I, I've, I've done this thing with this post-election where I, I use the internet and I find evidence for arguments that I'm not actually having with people. But the consensus I came to was that like all of the other arguments I have, there are horrible people no matter what they think. Yep. Like, you can be the most, like, liberal leftist person and still be a horrible person. You can be the most conservative person ever and still be a horrible person. People are shit. Yeah, there are shit arguments coming out of either side, and there's really almost nothing one can do to do anything about it other than wait for a time when, you know, the beliefs of these people bear out to be untrue and these people go back to the hateful little parts of the world they belong. And, like, the mo- the saddest thing about this election, I think, is with all of the media that I absorbed to try to understand the issues, with all the articles I read, I never found one journalist that I agreed with 100%. It's very difficult to find good journalism in the post-election cycle world because everyone, uh, I mean, everyone has an agenda no matter what. Being human is having an agenda. They have a certain snide tone no matter what they're saying that makes them insufferable. 
And even, like, the satirist, you know, even John Oliver, who I do agree with more so than others, even he, like, harped on things a little too much. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, yeah, you've got a good message, but you're 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 hitting the nail too much. Yeah, because I feel like, I don't know, let's stretch this analogy out. I feel like the people who are hitting the nail are kind of missing and damaging the woods sometimes. Because you are you are fighting for something too aggressively. You're pushing for something that isn't earned. And you're bringing your entire cause down with it by being kind of uh, destructively opinionated. And we got to stop calling out the people who are who are upset and are protesting because the one thing that America should always sort of support is the ability to voice our dissatisfaction. There was a very uh, fascinating series of tweets by a uh, what is it? A, he was a Republican something or other, some kind of pundit, and basically what he said was that if Hillary Clinton wins uh, on November eighth. Uh, he was going to grab his musket, who's with me, and then directly following that, after the election, he posted a YouTube link to the protests and basically said, liberal crybabies can't accept the truth. It's like, cool, great. Because, and this is, is going to go back to why I don't like the terminology won the election victory, stuff like that. Because the race was so close, it is a literal divide. Mm-hmm. Half the nation lost. Yep. So it's just like, this isn't baseball. This isn't, there'll be another season, there'll be another game. This is for keeps. Mm-hmm. And so we need to kind of ditch the win-lost kind of terminology. Because what happens when you celebrate a victory where half of your countrymen are, like, they cannot sympathize mm-hmm. is just alienation. Absolutely. And I think that... uh Having a a winner-take-all mentality to something like this is pointless because, especially right now, with the candidates that we had in the world that we live in, post-election should be a time of healing. You should try to get everyone together under under one banner and be like, listen, it's, it's okay that what happened happened, and I know that it sucks for 50% of you. But we have to understand that, like, there's a reason things happened like they did. There's good things happening, too. And maybe this next period of four years will suck for you and the people who voted for this other person. But we have to, like, come together or else nothing's going to get done. Because if we keep this huge schism between the parties alive, no one's going to be happy. You're going to get spite laws passed and everything's going to get worse. Yeah, uh, and that's basically what John Oliver's ending message was that I did agree with. Uh, followed up with, get involved. Yeah. You're you're dissatisfied. Now is the time to support an organization with a cause that you can get behind and like make sure that they can start enacting the change that you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that will also be kind of like the parting message I want to leave is, you know, let's just be a little more attentive to the language we're using Make sure we're not alienating the other side or anyone. Try to be as inclusive as possible. And then now's the time to get involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shrink your scope. The number one way to be effective as a, as a participatory member of politics in America is care about small stuff. Yeah, we can't change everything, so let's focus on the things we can change. 
you don't like your president, but you can sure as hell change your governor. And the point, I like, the, the, at the end of the day, we have to live in the country. We don't have to live in this country, but we do live in this country. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we don't have the means to leave the country, we can't. And I wouldn't even want to do that because a part of me does like this country mm-hmm. to some extent. So it's just like, if we're going to live here, why not, I don't know, buy new curtains? Yeah, make it prettier. Let's flip this house. Flip this house. <laughs> And I suppose with that, a moratorium on politics for the rest of the episode. And for the rest of our existence. All right. Uh, Now, with politics out of the way, I'd like to talk about something pretty similar that has been on my mind lately. Um, And that is Satanism. All right. Satanism. That's... that's the uh the religion that worships satan that is in fact true our dark lord beelzebub i don't know that beelzebub is actually an alternate term for satan also satan and lucifer not really interchangeable either yeah no beelzebub blah 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 bleezebleeb i think it depends on your your mythology Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times beezel i can't even say his name just call him beezels bubby uh is like the lord of the flies oh Oh, okay, I thought you meant like the... No, not the book. Okay. But he's the... Kill the pig, spill his blood. Kill the pig, spill his blood. So you know the four horsemen of the apocalypse each... Famine. Yeah. Pestilence. War. And death. I thought strife was one of them. Death. All right. Uh, But so Beezlebub is like one of... Those, but he just controls all flies. Oh. Because flies are like, you know, they're a, they're a symptom of like disease and famine and stuff like that. And they're really annoying. Yes. Anyway. But, uh, so no. you want to talk about Satanism? I do want to talk about Satanism because this is, uh, this is the next in my triptych of talking about things that millennials, myself being one of them, love millennials, but something that we tend to enjoy on a semi-ironic level that maybe other people don't understand. And I was I was thinking about this while I was watching of... I was watching, of all things, a Panic at the Disco music video. Okay. Now, I'm not a big Panic at the Disco guy. And I think the lead singer's name is Stephen Urry. That's all I know. But I was watching this music video, and I believe the song is L.A. Devotee. You're just... Everything you're saying is just, just like, gibberish to me. But Panic at the Disco is a very popular band. I, 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 okay. Very popular. Very popular. Anyway. Are they super pot? Are you being ironic? No, they sell, like, millions of albums. Okay. They're super popular. Okay, they're popular. Extremely popular. All right. Anyway, this music video uh, features, uh, I don't remember a lot of it, but I think there is a, a kid or a teen tied to a chair... And he is forced to watch a lot of clips of uh, vaguely Satanist imagery, and also Stephen Urey, and also, like, pictures of Baphomet. Okay. And upside-down pentacles, pentagrams. Pentacles. Pentacles, upside-down vodka bottles. So this is very overt Satanist imagery. Yeah. Or at least very overt pagan imagery that implies worship of Satan. All right. Or Baphomet. To most people in the modern lexicon would say it's like Satanist imagery. Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree with that. If you were not part of the generation that enjoys, like, nihilism and Satan worship in a semi-ironic way, it must look really 
terrible. Because I've been trying to, in light of recent events, even though there's a moratorium on all political talk from here on, uh, I've been thinking what people who are maybe the opposite of myself might think. If I was, say, 50 years old, had relatively traditional values, didn't get out a lot, uh, lived in a flyover state, you know, what would I think if I were to consume mass popular culture? I would be terrified. I mean... Even as a person who's not 50 years old, but was brought up in this, like, I, I guess, opposite of you, so I, can we just say Christian? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Even to, like, just a, a, a Christian who's, like, the same age as you, mm -hmm. I would think it would be relatively, not end-of-the-world panic terrifying, mm -hmm. but still a little grandiose terrifying. Yeah, and I mean, it's... And I, I get that it's cool and it's punk rock, even though Panic! at the Disco is not punk rock. I get that it's cool in punk rock to question values, challenge values with statements and imagery to show that maybe you don't care about that value set as much as others would. And especially if it is a very popular value set in the country in which you're releasing music. Yeah. I get that. But I feel like if I were, let's say, 50 years old, this opposite person... Who, who did believe that a symptom of the downfall of humanity is an increase in pagan imagery, I would believe that society is falling apart. Or that it's already over. Yeah? Yeah. But even though society is better now than it's ever been, praise be to science. You're not supposed to worship science as a replacement of religion. Praise be to Lord Sagan. Oh, but I mean, that, that was a symptom of a few years ago. We actually saw a lot of teenagers replacing religion with science in this weird dogmatic way. Yeah, I think the whole... I Even though I did it in jest, I think people who worship science have t-shirts that just say science exclamation point. I think that's a little silly because science isn't something to be idolized. Science is something to be analyzed. And it's dying down a little now or else those people are just kind of growing up and realizing how dumb they were. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, a lot of that was born out of the kind of bumper crop of atheists from early internet times. Yeah. And as far as, like, satanic sort of imagery go goes, like, I, I understand where it's coming from, because it's like you said, it's kind of like, we're not respecting this thing that we're, we're going against, so we're purposely using the image imagery that would be di the direct opposite, but at the same time, we're not wholeheartedly being satanist mm -hmm. you know this this is not a a sincere thing I, it's just you got to be careful because where do you draw the line christianity is an easy target not an easy target sorry a safe target yeah uh because for the most part there have been oppressed christians yes but for a large amount of them, they're not oppressed. Mm -hmm. But say you wanted to do the same thing with a different culture, you start running the risk of being offensive. And I mean, I guess that's one of the questions I have about this particular music video for L.A. Devotee by the band Panic at the Disco. Is um, So if they're showing pagan imagery, uh, arguably satanic imagery... In deference to the Christian faith, could you make the argument that it, one could imply that it is targeting the Christian faith and thus could be, like, inflammatory or contradictory? Or is it in portraying a different kind of faith or mythology without specifically mentioning the Christian faith? Is, is that worrisome at all? And I think it's only because we live in a majorly Christian nation that we see that in deference to. And I think that that's Fine, but if you openly insult someone's religion, I don't think that's okay. Yeah, okay, so the, they weren't calling out 
Christianity it, itself. No, and, just a bunch of satanic imagery. It, it, you know, it really depends because we live in a nation where they put what happy holidays on a Starbucks cup. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it's a war against Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, well, there would be people out there who view those images as an affront and a direct attack on Christianity. Those people do exist. But is that having a persecution complex? That could be. Because I think that when you corrected yourself earlier from saying that Christianity is an easy target, I think that in certain demographics that is absolutely true. Because you do not have to attack Christianity for it to... for certain members of Christian society to perceive it as an attack. Yeah. The answer to your question is there are so many people under this term Christianity that the one, the more mellow ones... The people who realize that, you know, culture, not culture, but a music video is not going to be the end of their religion, mm-hmm. they would be fine with it, I Oh, think. yeah, absolutely. They may not support the band, they may not, you know, sh- share the video, mm-hmm. but they would, you know, they'd be aware of it, say, all right, that's a different, these are different people with different ideas, and they would move on. But then there are very, very defensive people out there who would want the video to be destroyed mm-hmm. in all forms and to be erased from the minds of children. And I think there is a there's a cream of the offended crop that people look for when they create because it's a very safe place to create from when you can parade imagery that is not inflammatory or insulting but still affect people. You know, it's it's an easy place to be from where like I want to get like a, an, I guess in equal parts, a negative reaction from certain people and a positive reaction from certain people by being edgy and confrontational. But if I can do that simply by portraying imagery without making a stance, that is a relatively easy place to make a statement from. Yeah, I, I mean, because you can, you, you have plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. You can say like, oh no, this isn't an anti-Christian message. Mm-hmm. This is just, hey, we've got, you know, the, a system in place and we're rallying against it. Yeah. It's not a specific system. We're not naming any major religions mm-hmm. or denominations. Yeah, we're just putting a series of images up that we know for a fact will cause a, a certain amount of disquiet within a group. But for that perceived cause of disquiet, people will also like it because it seems edgy. Yeah. And for my part, I like the music video not because I think it's edgy, but because I think that Satanist imagery looks cool, you know. Look at all my studded leather jackets. Oh, yeah. I forgot studded leather was like, you know, thou shall not wear stud thy letter. Le- le- well, I, I put the studs in Baphomet's face. Ah. Also, studded leather has an AC of five. Anyway. He keeps saying Baphomet, and all I can picture is Final Fantasy. Baphomet. He's I a- picture Ragnarok online. He's a dragon. You ever play Bab? Yes, I played Ragnarok Online a lot. It was my first MMO. I'm a pouring. Boop, 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 boop. I'm a Baphomet. Boop, boop. So, uh, yeah, that's Satanism. Well, I don't even know if we landed anywhere with that. I just think... I don't know if there was anywhere to land. But I... I... I guess the the thing that I was trying to say is, like... I don't know. Sometimes we look at these things that we, we enjoy semi-ironically. Or entirely ironically, in my case... Because yeah. Satan ain't real to me. And we, uh, we're kind of just like, yeah, that's cool. But we don't really think about it. We don't think about why we think that's cool. Ever, whether it's, you know, from 
a sense of, oh, that's just within my aesthetic, which is my case, or I think that's cool because I have some level of uh, ingrained prejudice from my upbringing. Maybe it's worth thinking about that sometimes. Yeah, it's. I was thinking about this earlier, or randomly, I don't even know when this was, but it's kind of like you like something, but we don't ever really stop to reflect on why we like it. So it's like you're just doing that. You're you're trying to reflect on this thing that you experience and seeing if is this okay? Is yeah. this good? And the answer is, well, to each their own. Everybody can do something different. That's one of the the great parts about being human. And I think another great part about being human is being able to like think and like be like, why do I like this? Yeah. Because if you can find why you like something, it makes it so much easier to find more of those things that you like. Exactly. Ba da bop. Bop bop. I'm Baphomet. Yep. Sunday, Monday, Baphomet. Tuesday, Wednesday, Baphomet. In Ragnarok Online, he was like a goat man. Yeah. Okay. He's also kind of a goat man in Ragnarok Offline, which is the end of the world. Oh. Oh. You mean just normal Ragnarok? Yeah. When when Fenrir, the, the wolf god, eats, a, eats the sun... Med Midgard Serpent. Midgard Serpent? <laughs> there's a serpent, right? Um, I mean, there's oh, the, the serpent that's gnawing on the, the, the roots of Yggdrasil? Yeah. What's its name? Serpent. Oh, it's got a name. I forget it. There's Ratatosk, and then there's an eagle, and then there's a serpent. Ratatosk is a squirrel. I read Norse mythology. Anyway, Norse mythology, best mythology. I agree. It's got all the life lessons in there. It does. Don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. That's the main point of Norse mythology. If you think about it, all the greatest religions, they kind of hit the same high points of don't be a dick and the world's going to end. Yeah. And you know, both of those, totally true. Which is weird because uh, the culture of the Vikings or the Norse, they didn't have a concept of the future Mm. until Christianity was introduced. Oh. So, because the, the whole thing about Ragnarok is it's the end of a cycle and the beginning of a new cycle. So it's like it, it it doesn't ever really end or begin because mm-hmm. uh, I mean the next cycle is just uh, man the, the time of the gods is over and so the time of man begins because like two members of humanity hide in the tree and then man becomes god kinda and then god man well they didn't think that far ahead because they never thought it would you know it was there was no future mm-hmm. until Christianity was introduced and said hey. You should start worrying about how you're going to die. I mean, they did worry about how they were going to die. They would die well. (laughs) Give me a good death. But anyway, Norse mythology is cool. It is cool. And you know what else is cool? I don't know. My need for a break. Let's take a break. Thursday, Friday, Baphomet. Break. Tell me what you want, what you really want. I'll tell you what you want, what you really want. I was sick, like, just feeling terrible all day, 24 hours straight. Yeah, no, uh, it's, uh, it's the whiskey flu. You know what's bad? What? When you have the whiskey flu and you have to drive four hours in a car at home. Uh, but then the four hours, for some reason, feels like ten goddamn hours. I forget where it was or what it was. I got hammered at the after party. Yeah. Woke up and had to ride in a car... And the whole time, I was like, this is a perfect simulator of, like, purgatory. Like, this car ride is hot, claustrophobic, I feel like my head is made of lint. And I'm just like, 
curled up in a corner eating a hash brown. It's like nothing is ever getting better. No, like seriously, it was just like, man, at least we're making progress. And I ch- check the clock. I'm like, tw- no, twenty minutes have passed. <laughs> yep, we listened to three goddamn <laughs> podcasts. How could only twenty minutes have passed? Like when when you're super hungover and you're riding a car driving, you you look ahead and like there's a dull hum in your ears and just this awful, monotonous, sickening feeling. You're like. We must have been driving for an hour. Jackson, 100 miles. Fuck. And the worst part was, like, I got, I was like, everything will be great when I get home. Mm-hmm. And then I got home, I got here, and it's, like, laid on the couch. I'm like, no. Yep. Why is it not great? No, I was promised by myself. <laughs> Rest doesn't actually feel better. No. And then it was just like, all I need to do is eat. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any food here. I was like, all right, I'll break my rule about eating out. I, I ordered a burger to go. Mm-hmm. Got it, came back, ate it, and was like, no. You're like, that I, was the cure. You're like, I barely tasted it, and I don't feel better. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, and I paid ten bucks for it. Look, there's a, there's a perfect level of hungover where, yeah, your head hurts, and your body is pooled in the back of your body, and everything sucks. But the second you eat, it's like... It's like you poured water on, like, a cartoon plant, and you're like, oh, I, I wanted that, but it didn't happen. That didn't happen until I have a random jar of pineapples, mm-hmm. and I was like, what if I just drank the juice <laughs> the pineapples are in? Yeah, sugar. And I did, and it's like, oh, oh, this is, why is it 10 p.m.? <laughs> why did I wait all day to try that? <laughs> yeah, that's an unconventional strategy, but I'm glad it worked. Zero credits, back again, hot out of the sheets. The p- Nope, hot out of your pockets. It's hot from your pockets, hot pockets, zero credits. That was more of a stream of consciousness thing I was going with. I don't know if, uh... Are we, are we back? Yeah, we're back. Oh, you didn't say we were back, so I didn't know. Hot out of a pocket. Hot out of a pocket, it's zero credits. Hey, John. What up? I've got a time machine. Oh, what? Yes. Really? And finally, I... my mistakes. Well, no, I can, we can't. We can only use it to bring back one segment from the past. Oh no! So I, I've already done it. <laughs> There's not. I, mean, gonna... I, I think I know which one you brought back. Yeah, it, it it was hard to do because it was so gosh darn good and heavy mm. that it was just hard to hold in my arms. Maybe it's the biggest segment we've ever had. It might it might just be the segment that we were using as a crutch previously. But now we want to bring back in a more limited capacity. The one we were using as a crutch for like 20 episodes? Yeah. Whoa. So, you know it. I know it. They know it. They know it. It's... It's... What What did did you you watch? watch? That's right. What did you watch? What did you watch? What did you watch? What did you watch? That's right. What did you watch? What did you watch? Back, it's a blast. And from the past... It's what did you watch? That's right. Back, it's a blast. And it's from the past. What a did you watch? Okay, I think there may have been some some corruption in the time machine's code. It's not a perfect time machine, I will be honest. But it seems like it brought back most of the segment intact. Yes. And so, this is a segment where we talk about things we experienced with our eyes, with our ears... Just not solely with our ears and sometimes our noses. Sometimes our noses. Uh, so 
I'm going to start us off with a real banger. No pun intended. It's a porno? Uh, you know, you're not that far off. The Charlie Kaufman film, Anomalisa. Anomalisa. Now, I know a little bit about this film in that I watched it. And I know a little bit about this film as in I've heard Dan Harmon rant about it. So since we better start with, like, production stuff, tell me what you know. Because other than being made by Charlie Kaufman and being stop motion, I know very little about what in, what went into making this movie. All I know is that uh, the the animation studio Starburns Industries was involved in some capacity. They do they did Moral Oral. Oh, they did Frankenhol. I love Moral Oral. This is Dino Steptopolis. He apparently really likes stop motion, and he just. He likes doing stop motion stuff, so I think they had a hand. And Dan Harmon, of course, threw in like a big chunk of money because mm-hmm. that's what he does now. He just throws money at things he likes, pretty much. Uh, it's like it's like intellectual property is strippers, <laughs> intellectual property strippers, yeah. And that's what he does. He's so- like, that was money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I thought he was just, like, getting dandruff out of his hair. No, that was money being doled out. <laughs> All right. And uh, to set up a little bit of the story, I will just say it's about monogamy and pass it on to you. Uh, Yeah, you could say it's about monogamy. I could also say, uh, you know, maybe a better description is it's about being a uh, bottom-heavy, one-note movie. That's, uh, pretty okay. Well, let's talk about the basic premise of Anomalisa. Uh, Michael Stone, an author of books related to the field of communications, finds himself in the city of Cincinnati, where he struggles to, uh, maintain a life full of monogamy. And, uh, really... Okay, here's the gimmick of the movie. What's the gimmick of the movie? The the thing about this movie is that it it absolutely tries to be very clever with what it has going on, and it does take you a while to realize its thing. Gotcha. And by a while, I mean like t- ten to fifteen minutes. That's not a really long time. Or maybe like forty five, depending on how slow you are. But the thing is, every person that Michael Stone is surrounded by has the same voice and the same face. Oh. Men and women, it's stop motion, so everyone is a kind of a marionette. It's a, they all look like kind of fuzzy, out of focus people, but they're all marionettes, kind of marionette people. But every person he encounters has the same voice, which is what you notice first. Uh, everyone from his, uh, his ex-lover or ex-wife that he is reading a letter from has the same man's voice as the person sitting next to him on the plane, as the person in the taxi, as the person who checks him into the hotel. And then you start to notice that everyone has the same kind of nondescript blue-eyed face. So when you said he's in a world surrounded by monogamy, you meant that literally, like, one face, one voice forever. Well, yes, but I mean, he's in a world surrounded by monogamy or monogamistic... Monogamous? Monogamous obligations. Like, he is a... A communications writer, uh, his career is fairly set. Everyone loves his books about how to be a more a more uh, successful seller of things. He has a speaking engagement. Everything is working towards this very regimented pairing of him and engagements. Gotcha. And the turn of the movie 
is when he encounters a woman named Lisa. And Lisa has a different face and a different voice than all of the people who surrounded him previously. Okay. And that is what draws him to her. And it is a Charlie Kaufman movie. He is known for movies such as Adaptation, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I think he wrote Being John Malkovich. I would believe it. Or at least wrote the screenplay for. Not sure. But it is a movie about ostensibly monogamy. It's about this this honeymoon period that he has with people because one of the early conversations he has with his ex-lover or ex-wife, it's it's kind of unclear, and he is getting in contact with her for the first time in 11 years. He is very clearly worried about his mental state, and he is asking her if she has changed or if he changed or if anything made something change because clearly she didn't used to be this thing that he perceives her to be now. Okay. And... When he meets Lisa, this brand new person who he meets completely on a whim, uh, you start to get the idea that through his his mental illness, it's kind of communicating that that feeling that everyone has where when you meet someone new and special, everything about them is, is very uh, unique and mystifying and captivating. But as you get to know that person, they meld into this kind of monogamous... Uh, kind of wallpaper-paced individual. You can no longer see what's special about them. You see what's ordinary about them. You see what annoys you about them. And the movie is about the death of that new feeling you have for people, which is a very, very real thing that not a lot of movies have talked about. It's very bleak. It's like it's like the, uh, you know, we never see... In a romantic comedy, it's always about the two individuals getting together... We never really get that moment or, or that normalization in the relationship where that starts to happen. Mm-hmm. Except for, like, the the graduate where it's, you know, they're yeah. sitting on the bus and now they have, to, they have to face the realities of what they've done. And, I mean, maybe The Graduate is the only movie that's tackled this subject matter like this. But, it, like I said, it's a Charlie Kaufman movie. And what Charlie Kaufman likes to do is uh, make kind of unreliable, kind of unhinged main characters or narrators that kind of exacerbate this this known problem in mundane life, like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, is about memory. It's about, like, losing or cherishing or abandoning memory to move forward with your life, and it's about how dangerous that can be and how unprepared people can be to undertake it, which is essentially what that movie's about. It's about a few other things. But Anomalisa is about uh, this this losing of the shine that people have, but of course it's it's put in a megaphone by the put under a magnifying glass rather by this main character who very clearly is mentally ill in that he he very literally sees people the same the more he gets to know them yeah and you know it it uh manifests itself in like him seeing them as like a hive mind and like hallucinating them speaking to him in in a certain way and you know you can't be sure if he's actually mentally ill or if this is his reality in either case it stands for this facet of mundane relationships and it's very bleak but okay so that's the concept of the film yes essentially now uh what about its execution left you dissatisfied it is an extremely plodding movie that is in no hurry to get anywhere fast and i feel it's a movie that and i don't want to shit on charlie kaufman because i really like him but it feels like it thinks it's being more clever than it is it feels like it expects you to see the gimmick much later than you do and it just drags it out for a long time 
their long lingering shots, which they're beautiful and it's amazing that they accomplished everything that they did with stop motion in this movie like they did, but some things are just, they're very, they're very cute, they're very long and awkward and unnecessary, and it just feels like the movie takes so long to say the interesting thing it's trying to say. Interesting. And its its comedic beats are kind of out of nowhere in such a bleak movie. There's, in particular, one kind of one-off joke with a golf cart that's very slapstick and kind of pointless. Uh, but, I mean, there's, there's a number of really odd things about it. Like, there's a weird sex toy joke and this <laughs> antique Japanese sex toy robot that makes multiple appearances... Seemingly for comedic effect, but it's not funny and it's just really bizarre. I feel like this movie should have been a short. It should have been about 40 minutes long. Because it has really interesting things to say, but it seemingly just gets distracted with itself multiple times. There is an extended sequence of pretty, pretty graphic puppet sex. Yeah. That is really drawn out, made me uncomfortable, but I'm totally okay with being made uncomfortable in a movie if being made uncomfortable serves to, like, prove a point or advance an agenda in a movie. If it's to put you somewhere else so you can get on board with it and you're uncomfortable for a reason, I get that, but the puppet sex was just kind of, it was a really awkward and, to its credit, genuine portrayal of... Two people who don't have a lot of sex having a weird sexual encounter. But it was super uncomfortable, didn't enjoy watching it, and did not tell a story. I, I wonder, it wasn't even endearing. I, I have to wonder if a lot of what you're describing seems like, well, no movie has ever been stop motion and done this before. Mm. I, I wonder if they were also trying to capture this weird novelty where adult films or, or mainstream films are not stop animated. Mm. And so it's just like, well, now we've got a chance to do all these things. We can start crossing off items on a list to say like, well, now there's a stop animated movie with a sex scene in it. Maybe, maybe so, because there was, there was definitely something uh, about the sex scene that was novel, but, and I mean, I'm not being a prude about it. I thought it was like, tastefully done i guess but i just didn't feel like it went anywhere and like most of the things in this movie it happened for a long long time without saying anything without making any points and, and another thing about like the drawn out thing i wonder this could be me reading into your description of it but i want i have to wonder if the long time to say something is supposed to reflect I don't know how long monogamy has been existing in this society and only now are people starting to question it and bring it up or something. Maybe so. I, I do know for a fact that uh, the movie does do something that uh, I I don't tend to find endearing about movies in that it kind of says its entire thesis statement literally as the main character says it oh, yeah. over over a period of time. And then it is, it's capped off at the end by the, the other main character, Lisa, in her epilogue that basically restates what the main character said before just in a different way. And I'm not... Sure, I liked that. Because once again, it feels like the movie's just dragging this one message along, and then it shows you what the message is, that drags on some more, that tells you what the message is. It's like, hey, do you get it? Do you get it now? Yeah. We're just going to make sure that you get what what is being said about monogamy. Because I really want to love this movie because it, it says something that I super duper agree with and that I think is is fascinating as a concept and is never talked about 
in such a a craftful uh elegant way than this movie does but it's just everything else i just did not care for it sounds like an essay the movie yeah yeah because well one has a thesis statement Mm -hmm. two it's you know the thesis statement is is kind of explored in you know the film by one character but then in that epilogue for lisa conclusions usually restate the thesis in a different way yeah, I could see that. So, I mean, it kind of sounds like it was constructed in the same way that someone might write an essay, just while also kind of having narrative elements. And I mean, it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult movie to talk about because I do not want to dissuade anyone from seeing it because I think it it is a lot of movies have elements that can be suffered through for a message, and I think that the the elegance. Uh, the delicacy that this movie treats this specific thing with that almost everyone can relate to. It is worth seeing. I just wish I could have seen it in 40 minutes. Gotcha. Uh, also, huge technical achievement, great soundtrack, great acting. It's just, uh, in terms of the plotting, kind of pissed me off. Well, thanks, Dan Harmon. <laughs> thanks, Charlie Kaufman. 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 But, uh, so that's that's good. That's um, Anomalisa. Anomalisa. Uh, watch it. And render your own judgment. Also, bonus, uh, what did you watch? Keanu's pretty good. I'm waiting for it to be on HBO Go. Wait for it some more, because you should watch it. Yeah, no, I watched an advertisement for HBO Go the other day, because I was trying to catch up on Westworld, and uh, they were advertising the movies that are coming, and one of them was Keanu. Nice. Yeah. It's real good. So, I want to watch it, but I don't want to talk about it. All right. Yeah. Now what? Ah, well, I think we have just enough time. Oh, boy! To... Oh, boy! What? Sorry, I was saying oh, boy. Are you okay? No, I'm fine. Oh, boy! We have just enough time to get to this Facebook stuff that we did. Oh, could you say that this is topics from you? With statements statements from from us? That is the hashtag I used. Oh, sorry, let's do it again. Rewind. Hashtag topics topics from from you with statements statements from from us? It's not a question, though. Okay, one more time. Hashtag Hashtag topics topics from from you with statements from us. And uh, so this past uh, November 10th, I don't remember what day it was. I want to say Thursday. I have no idea. um, We asked on our Facebook, hey, do you have a topic we want us to talk about? Let us know below. We'll talk about down there anything. Oh. Uh, don't just expect us to be experts, because yeah. we're not. That's... Zero credits. So uh, we've got some stuff, and I think the winner of this contest... Ah. Because we have time for probably one topic. All right. Christmas sweaters and their resurgence... Resurgence? Resurgence and popularity. Uh, I think it's uh, part of the new aesthetic. What's the new aesthetic? Uh, ironic... Oh, so you think... I do think... Okay, yeah. Christmas sweaters became a popular thing. It was... What, what is it? The ugly Christmas sweater party? Yeah. And so, like, there was this weird resurgence of, oh, you gotta you gotta see this. Oh, man, Mark. You gotta see Mark's ugly Christmas sweater. I mean, you gotta see it. And so, like, people got comfortable wearing sweaters again. Mm-hmm. And so then they're like, well, I want a sweater I can wear in public. So then... <laughs> so then... Christmas sweaters became popular again. Yeah, and I mean, I think that... A lot of this falls out of the this pretty fascinating phenomenon we have in the modern age where we will uh, kind of trot something out for, for mockery, but then people find uh, something endearing about it and it 
kind of edges into popular culture or fashion. There's a little phenomenon that I like to call Poe's Law. Mm. And what Poe's Law says is that there is a point in satirization or mockery where the outside onlooker can't tell if it's satire or if it's sincere. Mm. There's a point... There's You're supposed to avoid it when you satire. like a, And like a modest proposal, you're supposed to be able to tell that what's-his-face... Thomas Paine? I don't yeah, I don't remember who it probably. was. Probably. Uh you're you're supposed to be able to tell that he's not seriously suggesting that you we eat Irish babies. Mm-hmm. Uh but there it, it takes a level of craft and skill that not every satirist has. Mm-hmm. So the ugly Christmas sweater thing, look, I'm not saying the people that run capitalism are smart, but they are observant as hell. True. So they saw people wearing sweaters and they started making sweaters. Then all these sweaters were around. People started buying sweaters. I mean, at what point? I, I guess it's all a kind of a kind of a parabola. Like something will will get that initial boost from like an ironic appreciation, and that turns into an earnest appreciation for this thing that which was once ironic. And then it kind of nears a peak when it becomes commercial. Then it it raises up a little bit more, hits a few more people in a few different demographics, then comes back down again. Because I feel like consumerism is near the peak of that parabola, where most of the people who have been hit by this have been hit. But when the eyes of capitalism hit it, there are people who will who will hang on, add their their names to the bucket of people who are part of this thing in the zeitgeist. But then their interest will fall off. Consumerism will uh, will forget about it, and the people who had an earnest appreciation of it will hold on for a little while, and then it just slowly dies. Yeah, commute commuterism. Consumerism has this weird effect where it kind of kills the things it's trying to appreciate. Mm-hmm. And that, like, as soon as... Well, I wish this would happen. As soon as Harambe shows up on a t-shirt, that should be the, the, the beginning of the decline. Yeah. I think that consumerism is... Because the, the thing about consumerism is uh, you can say anything you want about human sensibilities. We're kind of at our hearts punk rock. Yes. Because if people throw a Harambe shirt at us, we're like, we like this thing because it was unusual and funny... And now that someone's just trying to make money off of it, fuck it. Yeah, pretty much. Like, there's there's something to be said about, like, being a part of, like, a secret club. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trends are kind of like that. They all kind of start out like, hey, man, this is a cool thing you're doing. Uh, do you mind if I do it, too? Yeah. And then suddenly it's just like, hey, look at all these cool people doing this cool thing. I want to be a part of this cool thing. And then the Eye of Capitalist Sauron focuses in on the cool thing and says... Everyone's wearing Trapper Keepers. Mm-hmm. We can make that using half of the stuff that we use to make backpacks. Yeah. We can ha- Look at the dividends. The dividends, for look Christ's at, sake. Look at all these dividends. And then they make something, and then a few people see that and like, oh, it's never been easier to be part of this cool thing. And then a few more people jump on board, and then everyone else... Because the, the people... Who liked it in probably still kind of like the thing after consumerism hits. But about halfway through that, even the people who joined it see that the cool people have dropped off. They start to drop off. It just declines into death. And it can't be enjoyed anymore because consumerism has murdered it. Pretty much. No matter what it is. Because no one likes to be made... No one likes for a dollar to be made off of their back. Look, I'm not saying that I hate being a walking billboard for the brands that I wear. But there came a point where it's like, I have to dress nice, mm-hmm. but all of the nice shirts have a goddamn logo on it, 
So now I have to be a, a, a walking billboard just so I can wear a nice shirt. Yeah. And I mean, it's you're voting with your dollar when you when you purchase things. So I, I think that consumerism is going to keep ruining things that are exclusive little clubby activities as long as they can make that little buck off of it. And then it just falls off. Yeah. And then there's, of course, the, the Ghost Legion, which just hangs onto this thing forever, and they never realize that it's bad. And then there's, like, the trailing asymptotic line at the end of the parabola, never truly reaching zero, but 40 years from now, there's still going to be someone with a cool story bro shirt. I think a parabola was, like, a perfect um, mathematical thing to compare that to. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn... But I was a math major for a semester. Well, it's done you well here. Parabola! And more on the point about Christmas sweaters. Look, we live in a swa- We live in the swath. <laughs> we live in a swag. We live in the south, so that it might as well be a January sweater. Yeah. Because it doesn't get cold until January or February. I mean, it, it just got, uh, it just got cool, and it's gonna go away soon. It'll, we're, like, you know, it's gonna warm up for Thanksgiving so that when people fry their turkeys, there's no snow in the video. Mm-hmm. It, of course, when it catches on fire. Yeah. Because nobody knows how to fry a turkey. I mean, you just burn yourself, right? <laughs> you, you just get... You know, scarring third-degree burns over a lot of your body. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the turkey's somehow done. Yeah, that's just how it happens. Yeah. And also the turkey gets third-degree burns all over its body. Its what? delicious body. Its delicious burnt <laughs> third-degree... That's... Why? Yeah. Why ruin Thanksgiving? Mmm. So, that was, uh, you know, the first sort of iteration of maybe a reoccurring kind of, uh, uh, what do we call it? Segment... Segments, uh, statements, statements, nope. Topics from you. Topics, topics from you. Topics from you. With statements from, from us. us. And uh, I don't know. How, how'd you think about that? What would you think? I what as a as a segment as a segment. How'd you feel about that? I like it because I like being challenged with new things we haven't talked about before. Because honestly, living in my head is like living in hell. So taking me out of that zone is appreciated. Yeah, it's like we're able to kind of have a guest ask us a question without mm-hmm. actually interacting with someone that's not us. And can you imagine how excited that made that statement asker? Yeah, I didn't even like address who that was, but I don't think it matters. They know who they are. Uh, in topics, we don't talk about it. Yeah, we don't have to. Nope. You know who you are. And whoever knows where our Facebook is, they True. can check to see who that was. Man, you know, uh, that's a good segue, Henry. A good segue into how you can find out what our Facebook is right here, motherfuckers. Yeah, we're just gonna straight up tell you. It's not a riddle or nothing. Zero credits on Facebook? Zero credits podcast on Facebook? Zero credits podcast on Facebook. Give it a search and then do whatever the fuck you do on Facebook. Look, there are so many things you can do. You can like, share, review, who knows? Poke. Post. You can poke me, but you can't touch me because I'm fire, motherfucker. No, 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 no. You nah, can nah, also get nah, nah. to... It, he's on fire. You can also get to us on Twitter. ZCPC. WHJ. With an at symbol on the front. At ZCPC. WHJ. That stands for hey, Zero John. Credits Podcast <laughs> Werewolf Handjob. John, what does that stand for? It stands for Zero Credits Podcast Werewolf Handjob. That's right. Happy... Happy Halloween. The... All right, and if you ever want to email us, although emailing, I guess, uh, whatever, people still do it. 
Yeah. You can do that at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. And if you send us an email, we promise we'll look at it. And then talk about it on their show. And also, you need to send us an email with a formal email signature or it will be ignored. Yes, please use the proper etiquette. <laughs> also, you will be docked five points. Of your final participation grade. Also, uh, please put the course title in the subject line. And feel free to protest us. Yeah, feel free. It's your right. Yeah, just don't let us know about it. We'll get sad. Burn a car and write ZCPC werewolf hands. <laughs> Job. Hands job. All right. Say good night, John. Good night, Henry. Bye. Good sport, sportsman. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, you let me say the last thing. You're supposed to say the last thing. Oh, fuck.